Take my word for it, there's a moral to this story. Yeah, it looks like a coronation for Tom J. Tempio. He's getting the crowd, he wants the crowd to cheer his performance, and at the end, he gets pissed. He gets pissed by Merrick Simon at Washington. And you just can't do this kind of stuff, Lewis. You can't. You, know, you see his face, and you know, no one has to say anything. They don't have to explain it to him. He'll never make that mistake again. Did you catch what happened there? Old boy didn't finish well. You want to see it again? Let's watch it one more time so you know what to look for. Yeah, it looks like a coronation for Tom J. Pepio. He's getting the crowd. He wants the crowd to cheer his performance. And at the end, he gets pipped. He gets pipped by Merrick Simon of Washington. And he just So we're not talking about racing today as much as I would like to talk about running. Uh, we're not talking about that. We're talking about life. And we're talking about finishing well and how we finish. And I just saw that clip of a guy who didn't finish very well and just thought that kind of helps us think about how will we finish life? Will we run all the way through the tape? Will we... Run, will we finish our race or will we kind of get distracted at the end? And so I had this introduction all prepared, and then we just sang Hymn of Heaven. And um, took me right back to Rich's funeral. He ran a good race, he ran all the way through the tape. Will you run a good race? Will you run all the way through the tape? You don't have to. I mean, so, so the book of Revelation is written to help people finish well, to help people run the whole race, run all the way through the finish line. And we're talking about, of course, the race of life. And so one of the ways to not finish well is to really get distracted by your own overconfidence. So, so as we look at a little ahead of us here, we're going to see in the letters to the seven churches, we're going to see a church at Ephesus that get, really gets caught up in how well they're doing things. And another church, Laodicea, who is really impressed with themselves at how well they're running and how good they're doing. And one of the ways you and I can mess up is to really focus on everything we're doing right and just really be overconfident, kind of like that, that runner was overconfident. Overconfidence can lead to a fall. Another way is to just get worn out. There are churches that we'll look at that just got worn out by life. Do you know what it is to get worn out by life? Does that resonate at all with you? Like just being just exhausted from the worries and troubles and in their case, persecutions that come with life. And they're in danger of not cheering for the crowds and like trying to get, but, but just kind of slumping over and then maybe just laying down just because they're exhausted. 
Is that where you are? Would you be more like, I'm overconfident, I mean, I'd be more in danger of being like overconfident at how well I'm doing, or would you be more in danger of being like, man, I'm just so tired. I'm just so tired. I'm not, I don't finish well because I'm so tired. There's another group that, it's not so much that they are overconfident, it's that they're worn out and sucked into a seductive sin. Like it, they, got, they got the worst of both of it. And that could be us too. We don't finish well because we're tired, beaten down by life, and we're getting sucked into wrong things. And so we don't finish well. As I mentioned, the book of Revelation is where we are. So if you have your Bibles with you and you want to open them with me, we'll, we'll read Revelation. This is really meant to help us run the whole race and finish well. Let me pray before we jump in. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you would meet us in this text and, Lord, that we would get to know you better because we're in your word today. Lord, I pray that you would stand in front of me while I'm in front of them that you would talk over me while I talk to them. Do this for the sake of your glory and our good. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we are in Revelation chapter 1 as we start in. The revelation of Jesus Christ. So this is, the word revelation means to reveal. So if I could, I'd have a painting up here and then I'd have like something covering it. And revelation means like you would uncover the painting. Like that's where the word means, like to reveal. So the revelation or the revealing of Jesus, it is about Jesus and it is by Jesus. So we learn about Jesus from the book of Revelation and we learn from Jesus in the book of Revelation. So it's a book about revealing the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God... So I have the diagram there because there's a lot of stuff going on, but you're going to see how it all fits together here. Which God gave him, Jesus, to show his servants the things that must soon take place. So we're the servants that are on the receiving end of this. The first servants that would have been on the receiving end of this were the seven churches. He made it known by sending his angel... To his servant John. So you see how kind of it all fits together now. You have the Father revealing it to Jesus. Jesus reveals it to an angel. An angel reveals it to John. And then John reveals it to us. Which bore witness to the word of God, or who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. So John heard it from Jesus, who Heard it from the angel, and then John gave it to us. Blessed is the one who reads aloud, we're going to come back to that, the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Here is what you need to know about Revelation. 
This is the truth, the big truth in Revelation that helps people finish well. That helps people keep, keep persevering even when they're overconfident. Helps people keep persevering even when they're getting crushed by life. Helps people persevere even when they're being tempted by sin. This is the big truth. The big truth is what we sang about. That God is utterly, fantastically in charge. And because God is in charge, he can reveal the future. It's not a guess at what will happen. God knows what will happen. And so this is why we see in the first three verses of Revelation, the time is near, and then 1-1, this is what must soon take place. It will. God doesn't have to predict, you know, like, I think this is how it's going to play out, but he knows what's going to play out because he is utterly, fantastically, wonderfully in charge. So when things are going really well, we remember they're going really well because he's in charge. When things are going really, really bad, we tell ourselves, I know this is really bad, but he's in charge and he'll make it right. When things are kind of in the middle and we're not sure what to do and we're really tempted by sin, we remember, well, I just, I just know that no matter what's going on, God's in charge. Like, this is the truth that anchors our souls. He is in charge and he's revealed the future. Now, when I say revealed the future, <laughs> we could get weird and start saying, well, if we study the book of Revelation close enough, we can predict the future like what the stock market's going to do next week. And so we could really make a pile of money by figuring out the code. That is not what I mean. I don't mean that you can figure out what this world leader or that world leader is going to do next week by studying Revelation. What I mean by God has revealed the future is the really big picture of there is heaven and there is hell. And there is going to be a final judgment. And those who reject God and reject God and reject God are going to go to hell. Those who receive the forgiveness of sins, the washing of his blood that he shed on the cross will be forgiven of their sins. And you'll know that that's true of them because they will persevere in their faith. And the word for this, remember this, the word for this in Revelation is conquer. They will conquer because they will hold on to their faith. So when things are going really, really good, you're careful lest you fall because you remember you have to persevere and you have to hold on to your faith. When things are going really, really bad and you're being persecuted and you're really suffering, you remember, wait, wait, wait. This is not the end. God will sort it all out in the final judgment. He will vindicate me. He will make all this right because of Christ's righteousness. He will sort it out. Bad will be punished, good will be rewarded, God will sort it out. When you're tempted to sin, you're, you're, you back away from that cliff because you're like, I am not going to do that. There's a final judgment coming. God has revealed the future, and this is the truth that helps us persevere. 
So what should we do? Well, let's read it again. And um, you read uh, the word in white there, the, rather than the words in, gla- in gray. And blessed are those who hear. hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. This is going to be a key word in Revelation. Okay, Blessed are those who hear. We'll see this a couple times when we go through the seven churches. So to the church in Ephesus, he sums everything up in verse 7 when he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Then to the church in Smyrna, he writes, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Then to the church in Pergamum, he writes, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Then to the church in Thyatira, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear. Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Then to the church in Sardis, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Church of Philadelphia, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the church in Laodicea, the seventh church, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Are you catching a theme? Good. Good. So, how do we persevere? Well, we remember the big truth that God is utterly in charge and that there is a judgment coming. And because that is true, we make sure we hear the words of Christ. We make sure we hear what Jesus is saying. So when we're like the church in Ephesus, a church that has carried the weight, a church that has done the work, a church that has defended doctrinal purity, like they, they believe the right stuff, they've done the right stuff, the historic, awesome church. We hear the words of Christ that says, you better repent or I'm going to come and take away your, your lampstand because you've lost your first love. We hear the words of Christ and it keeps us on mission. So we don't get overconfident. When we're the church of Sardis and we're really suffering, I'm sorry, Smyrna. When we're the church of Smyrna and we're really suffering because of the persecution that is going on and we feel like we're exhausted and we're not going to make it. We hear the words of Christ that says, I know you. I see, where you, I see what you're going through. I'm watching. When we're really tempted by Satan, we're really tempted to sin, we we hear the words of Christ, hold fast. Hold fast. Conquer. So the first, first, how do we persevere? Well, number one, We hear the words of Christ. How do we persevere? Number two, blessed are those. I'll I'll read the, uh, I'll read everything else. You guys read the yellow word, okay? You read the yellow word. Blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. See, we're supposed to keep the word. When I first started preaching, uh, well, I, I guess I can't say preaching like on a regular basis, but like 
I thought I was going to go into the ministry, and Cheyenne's dad gave me a chance to preach because I was helping out with the youth. So I think I was like at the end of my sophomore year in high school. And so on a Sunday night, he gave me a chance to preach. Now, I think I had 35 minutes to fill with awesomeness and, uh, you know, blow everybody's mind and keep their attention and, you know, 35 minutes or so. And so I got through all of my material in nine minutes. <laughs> Don't worry, we're already past the nine-minute mark. <laughs> yeah, all of my material in nine minutes, so I just made stuff up for like six minutes till I could at least get to the to the nine, you know, the halfway point. And uh, then I just gave up and sat down, and everyone was like, oh, that's so wonderful, you know. And they were just being, of course, just being kind. <laughs> so my father-in-law kind of takes me aside afterwards and says, Nathan, I think it would really help you if you had an outline. And I smiled and nodded, you know, because it was my future father-in-law, and I just thought in my heart, cool, pe cool preachers don't use outlines. You know, I'm not going to use an outline. So uh, one thing leads to another, and I end up in the ministry and uh, doing okay at the preaching thing, but feel like there's a lot of room for improvement. So I actually hired a preaching coach. Um, and so he would come in and watch me preach and then write down ways I can improve. And... Uh, he said, you know, Nathan, you got a lot, of go lot going for you. You know, a lot of good things going on. But, you know, it would really help you if you had an outline. <laughs> and he's like, four points is really too many. Two points is not really enough. If you had three points, I think it would really be good. Three points um, really makes a good outline. You want to have one, one big idea, you know, and then support it three ways. And so... I thought, oh, okay, you know, like this guy knows more than me, but I still thought in my heart of hearts, you know, cool preachers don't use outlines. <laughs> so I, you know, but I, and I did it for a while, and then I just kind of drifted away from it and just started, you know, just preaching and talking. And I, I got to the point where I thought, well, I'm kind of stuck, kind of plateaued. I think, I think I could improve. So I hired, this time, a communications coach that, like, like coach businessmen on how to give TED Talks. Because I thought, because I couldn't, didn't, think of another preaching coach, but I thought this, this would be interesting to learn from this person. So she watches me preach, and then she gives me feedback. She's like, well, you know, Nathan, you got a lot going for you. I think it would really help if you used an outline. She said, four points is too many. Two points is really not enough. Really help you if you had three points. And I really, I mean, I don't want to tell you this, but I really didn't even put all of this together until I was packing up my files, like going through my files up at uh, Faith before we came here. And I looked at what the first preaching coach had to say, and then I looked at what the next preaching I'm like, huh, they all said the same thing. <laughs> Here's where I'm going with that. Since then, you know, I'm not the sharpest guy in the world, but since then, I have kept their word. Like, since then, I have used an outline. Nuts on what the cool preachers do. I'm going to use an outline now. 
And I usually don't have four points, usually don't have two points, usually I have three points. And this is, be, I mean, I, finally, I just submit to it. Okay, this is, this is the best way to communicate. So I've kept what they told me. This is the idea of keeping what is written in it. You adhere to it. You submit to it. You're like, okay, I thought I had some good ideas. Evidently, I don't. I will submit to this and obey it. So this, the stakes are much higher, of course, in the book of Revelation because this is how you conquer. You keep the word of God. So let me show you this from Revelation. If you have your Bibles open, why don't you um, turn to Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. So this is the church in Smyrna that was really suffering. Chapter 2, verse 10. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. So Jesus doesn't say, don't worry, you're not going to suffer. He doesn't say, don't worry, it won't be too bad. He says, it's going to be really bad. You're going to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. That would be really bad. That you may be tested for 10 days, you will have tribulation. Now, here's how to conquer. Be faithful unto death. That's how to conquer. Now, here's why to conquer. And I will give you the crown of life. How do you conquer? You keep the word. You be faithful unto death. Why do you conquer? To get a crown of life. That's not the only place. So if you have your Bibles open, look with me at chapter 2, verse 26. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 25. Only hold fast. That's the idea of keeping what is written to it. Sometimes I have great ideas, and I'm like, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. Hold fast. Three points. <laughs> Hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my word until the end. How do you conquer? You conquer by keeping his word, by staying faithful until the end, no matter what. No matter how awesome you think you are, no matter how much you're suffering, no matter how tempted you are, how do you conquer? You hold fast to his word. You keep his commandments. You keep his way. You keep his word. This is how to conquer. This is really important. So to the, I'll read the uh, white words. You guys read the yellow word again. Now to the, to the church in Ephesus, he writes, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Anybody here want to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God? I sure do. Not sure what it means, but sure sounds good. Smyrna, to the one who conquers, will not be hurt by the second death. This is a church that was really suffering. In Pergamum, the churches are being really tempted. To the one who conquers, I will give some hidden manna. I want some of that. I don't know about you, but I want some of that. How do you conquer? You keep the word. You're faithful until the end, no matter what. To the church in Thyatira, to the one who conquers and who keeps my word until the end. The church in Sardis, the one who conquers will be clothed in white garments. Philadelphia, the one who conquers, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Church in Laodicea, the seventh church, the one who conquers, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne. Conquering is key. How do you conquer? 
You conquer by keeping the word all the way to the end. Staying faithful all the way to the end. So when we do the seven churches, we'll focus on keeping his word. Keeping his word. Because keeping his word is how you conquer. And if you keep his word, he's promising you the crown of life. He is promising you awards that are too good for us to even understand the side of heaven. He's conquering. He's giving us great promises if we conquer. So when we do the seven churches, we'll focus on that word conquer and what it means in each of those circumstances. Number three, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. So, why would you read aloud anything? So you and I might, you know, we don't often read things aloud. I, don't, I mean, at least I don't very often read things aloud. So why would John write, blessed is one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy? You know, so one idea might be like, well, maybe it's like a magical spell that you have to read aloud so it can have power. You know, like abracadabra doesn't really work unless you're saying it out loud. It wouldn't work unless you're, if you're just thinking it, then it wouldn't work. I, I'm just telling you that's not what it is. So why, why would you be blessed if you read the, read the words of this prophecy aloud? Well, the reason is because a monstrous percentage of people in the ancient world were illiterate. Almost nobody could read in the ancient world. And so if you could read, and synagogues would not have a lot of people that could read, a few, but not a lot. The Greek towns wouldn't have a lot of people that could read, a few, but not a lot. If you had someone that could read, you'd encourage them to read aloud when they'd read so that it would benefit everyone. I mean, why, why would you just read to yourself silently in a, in a group? You'd, you'd read aloud so that everyone could benefit from it so they could all have the benefit of you knowing how to read. So in the same way, we want to share what we know. This is on mission for us, to share the good news of what we know is true. This is especially true when we think about how the book ends with eternal judgment and eternal paradise. Like, this, the stakes are really high. So if we know that's true, why would we not tell people? So share what you know. Share what is true. Share aloud. Just, just like... They were blessed if they read aloud. We want to share aloud. And so you can do this through personal conversations. You can do this through a, a lot of different ways. One of the ways that you could do it is uh, what Brendan had talked about earlier. And you could um, invite people to church on Easter. So that's coming right up right around the corner. And um, I'll tell you, I'm just going to give you a forecast here. Brendan is going to preach... Um, next week, and then the following week will be Easter, and so we'll be on chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. So on Easter Sunday, we're going to talk about verse 5, 
And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. Like, what does it mean for Jesus to be the firstborn of the dead? Well, that means he's conquered sin and death. We're going to talk about that on Easter, how there's hope beyond sin and beyond death. We're going to talk about on Easter, the second part of that, and the ruler of kings of the earth, how there's a judgment coming. And we're going to talk about to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. We're going to talk about how you can be forgiven of your sins by the blood of Jesus. We're going to talk about all this on Easter. So share aloud. So the question that we come back to here. The question we come back to is, how will we finish? How will I finish? And I'm just telling you, I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know who you've been with. I'm telling you, you can finish well. Your past doesn't have to define your future. You can finish well. Hear the words of Christ. Hear the words of Christ. Keep the words of Christ. Put them into practice. Submit to them. And share them with people who don't know yet. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would help us finish well. You would help us put your words into practice. That you would help us keep your words. Lord, I pray that you would pull us close to yourself. For our good, for your glory. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.